Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks so much for tuning in here to this episode of the show. It is Wednesday, April 6, 2022. And in just a moment, a conversation with State Senator John Liu, a Queens Democrat who is in Albany as we speak, about to give us an update on state budget negotiations. The state budget, of course, is about six days late at this point. Uh, we are now six days into the new state fiscal year. Uh, a few days into the state fiscal year, the legislature passed what's called a budget extender, allowing the state to continue to pay its bills, including its payroll of state employees, although there was a little bit of uh, choppy waters there, and it's unclear how many people's uh, paychecks might have been disrupted because even that was late. But uh, they are now in the the final negotiations among the Democratic majority in the state Senate, the Democratic majority in the state Assembly, and Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul trying to lock down this new state budget deal, which will have have roughly $220 billion in spending and a whole bunch of policy involved. There are all sorts of issues, of course, with the process here, uh, all, all kinds of problems with how little public review a lot of the final details will get, uh, how little legislative review a lot of the final details uh, will get as this budget is going to be passed sometime in the next few days. Most likely, they have to come to agreement on the broad principles on some outstanding items and then, of course, write up all the budget bills and then get those printed a little bit of time for legislators to review and then vote on them. Whatever deal is struck is all but certain to be passed, and they will probably use messages of necessity from the governor, which allow them to waive the otherwise mandated review period for legislation. Again, all sorts of problems with the process uh, that we've discussed here on this show in recent weeks, actually, as I've been joined previously by State Senator Gustavo Rivera, Democrat of the Bronx, State Senate Minority Leader Rob Ord, an upstate Republican, uh, and others to discuss that and what's happening with the state budget. But here's my conversation with State Senator John Lou about the very latest, at least as of roughly 5 p.m. on Wednesday, April 6th, in a very fluid situation, but a bunch of insights coming up here from John Lou. All right, let's bring on State Senator John Liu, a Democrat from Queens. He is in Albany in the midst of these final budget negotiations as the state budget is now overdue. Legislators pass an extender on the budget to get the state's bills paid, but we're expecting a budget deal any minute, any day, any hour. We'll see. Uh, state Senator John Liu, thanks for joining me here on Max Politics. Thanks for have, finally having me back on, Ben. What's going on? <laughs> it has been a while. Uh, I've been wanting to catch up with you, and I'm really glad to do it here today. Uh, how are you doing? Um, pretty good. We, As you said, mm-hmm. we are in the midst of budget negotiations that I, I feel confident will be resolved soon. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's some optimism there. So... We're talking here at just after five o'clock on Wednesday, April 6, 2022. At any minute, this conversation could become outdated in certain ways, but that's where we're at right now. Uh, when you express that optimism. Oh, think of it this way. You're get, always on the cutting edge of what's happening, Ben. Yes, absolutely. So give New Yorkers uh, who are listening now or who will listen to this conversation later or tomorrow a little update on sort of what are the final sticking points here as you are a member of the state Senate majority you're negotiating with the state assembly majority and Governor Kathy Hochul's office. What are the final sticking points in state budget negotiations here? 
Well, you already outlined a lot of it before in, in your introduction. Uh, this is a a budget that's going to be, you know, $220 billion for the fiscal year that that we just began, uh, plus or minus, you know, a little bit. And that's mm-hmm. the final number is going to rely upon what exactly is negotiated in, in terms of the fiscal impact items, as well as some policy changes that don't actually have a fiscal impact. We, uh, the, 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 Criminal justice laws have been a big topic of negotiations, as you pointed out. I think we're getting close to that. Uh, we're also looking at a stadium deal that was hoisted on the legislature in the in like three days before our budget deadline. So these kind of um, there were a, a few wrenches thrown in by the executive in the last minute. Uh, I should note that mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. We, it looked like we were going to have a great budget, a great budget process, and we might even be done a little bit early. But sometimes when you have these last minute, last minute items that are substantial, they get put in there. Our thought is, look, we want to get it right, even if it's hmm. a couple of days late. And so, uh, some, uh, of the, some, of, some of the items remained. The, criminal justice. We want people to be safe. People feel that they are not safe on the streets. Uh, You know, I'm Asian American. There's been a huge amount of anti-Asian hate. Uh, Asian Americans don't feel safe in the subways or on the streets. So we want to pass laws and legislation that will help get people safe. But we don't want to change laws for the sake of changing them if they don't actually enhance public safety and may in fact take us in the opposite direction. So those are some of the final sticking points. Um, the, the idea that yeah, we, we use taxpayers' money to uh, to uh, finance a very expensive stadium that may benefit very wealthy people more than uh, New Yorkers, whether they be upstate or downstate, that, that's also a big issue. And um, and a few other things, which I'm sure we'll, you and I will mm-hmm. talk about just now. Yeah. Just on the criminal justice reforms, there there's several things at play there, including discovery and some other things. But obviously the main highlight issue, the most controversial, often uh, misunderstood, misrepresented is the bail law and bail reform. Um, is it is it pretty much a certainty at this point? I've seen some other legislators comment to this effect that there will be certain tweaks to the law around uh, judges being able to set bail for repeat offenders, uh, certain uh, gun crimes, certain hate crimes. Those are the types of changes to the law that we're talking about. Can you sort of confirm around where that deal is landing? Well, I can certainly confirm what you just said, that there's a huge amount of misunderstanding about the laws that that were passed in 2019 and 2020. And in, in fact, a huge misunderstanding about what bail is in the first place. Uh, I think mm. I think part of the problem uh, is that the, many people think that bail is some kind of sentence and punishment when really it's just a monetary deposit. And so the thrust of the bail reform laws that that were passed in the last couple of years seek to restore bail to what its original intent was, that uh, it was 
just a deposit to make sure that somebody shows up to court. It was never meant to be an actual punishment for somebody who's accused of a crime. So I think we're adhering to those basic principles there. Now, part of the problem has been that the court system uh, delayed things, not necessarily intentionally, but because of COVID. And so uh, people were out waiting for their court dates much, much longer than was originally expected. So that led to some problems, uh, plus the fact that uh, the judiciary probably needed to provide more guidance to judges. So uh, we want to see more guidance and uh, uh, judges following the law that was actually passed. But also, uh, as you mentioned, giving uh, giving judges some additional some additional leverage so that they can keep people safe by by uh, having having more options at their disposal when an, an accused is standing before them. But the rub of this, which you got at, is obviously that we're talking basically about just letting judges set very high bail, which is a proxy for remand, which is that in most cases when they set the higher level of bail on a number of these defendants that we're talking about. These are not wealthy people who will then be able to post that bail. And it amounts to it amounts to giving judges the discretion basically to just hold somebody in jail pretrial. I mean, that that's really sure what we're talking about would, here. I'm not no? sure that I would characterize it that way. I think uh, another way to describe what part of the negotiations focus on is whether uh, more more types of charges would be uh, would be subject to a judge setting bail as opposed to allowing the the accused to continue with their school and their jobs as they await their trial date and and this is a I, I think something that that uh, I, I try to take every opportunity to to uh, to um, help help people understand that bail reform didn't affect the the charges that people have to stand trial for. Bail reform didn't affect the sentences that ultimately, if people were convicted of the crimes that they were accused of, that they would have to serve. So bail only refers to that period of time between somebody being arrested and when they actually stand trial. And so when, when people say, oh, let them go free, no, it, no one's being let go, let go free. They're simply being allowed to continue their lives in terms of school, in terms of jobs, in terms of where they are able to live as they await trial. And mm-hmm. bail reform, you know, prior to bail reform, if you had if you had some money, on average a few thousand dollars, you could post bail. And if you were a repeat offender, you could post bail a few ta- times and still allowed to be uh, uh, and be allowed to continue your life uh, as you await trial. That is the key thing here. So uh, mm. maybe some additional offenses will be added to the list of. Uh, of accusations that judges could require bail posted for, uh, but I think that's I, 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 we certainly are not intending to uh, roll back the bail reform that was necessary in 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. On the Buffalo Bill Stadium deal that you referenced. Um, 
uh, in combination with this this push by the governor in the in the final weeks and in, and with the stadium in the final days, as you mentioned, it, it, do do you get the sense that that budget negotiations really took a sour turn here because of the way that the governor handled these things? I mean, you know, there was this new era of collaboration, uh, the post Cuomo era. Um, virtually everyone in state government was breathing a sigh of relief that, that Governor Cuomo was not going to be, you know, sort of using his well-known uh, bullying and other tactics. Um, Governor Hochul ushering in more collaboration. Has this last little phase here of the state budget soured things to a significant degree between the governor and the legislature? I, I mean, I, I would say yes. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. I think blindsided is is one way of looking at it. Blindsided by the executive in days with three days remaining before the expected budget was to be passed. Uh, and, and not only caught by surprise by this announcement and by this announcement, but the sheer cost of the announcement, as well as uh, essentially being told that, oh, it's a done deal, so there's not much that the legislature can or needs to do about it. I, I mean, if that were the case, then why would it be part of the budget negotiations? Clearly, the legislature needs to be a part of this. And again, it's a it's a large, large expenditure of taxpayer funds. But that's in some way going to be to be there. I mean, that's really it's not something that the legislature is going to turn down or block. Right. I mean, there's some deal coming together on the stadium subsidy that's pretty close to what the governor um, outlined. I, I, is that your sense? I You have a crystal ball that is apparently clearer <laughs> than my crystal ball. <laughs> OK, so so that remains being negotiated, I guess. Um, any, you know, any other things are, that you would name? Are those, are, those are the final, these large topics that don't come together until they come together. And then as soon as they come together, we will pass a budget for the state of New York. Any other things you'd list as, as, as the, the last you know items that your conference has been conferencing, has been discussing as a conference to take to, uh, you know, you, you, you as state Senate Democrats, you get together, you discuss where you stand on certain things, and your leadership then takes those to, the, to meet with the assembly leadership and the governor. Any other things that are sort of the, the final, you know, there's, there's discussion out there that you're still trying to, um, I saw some reporting from Spectrum News, you're still trying to finalize the the, the child care um, subsidy plan and the expansion of child care access. There's questions about the extension and expansion of Kendra's law related to uh, mental health uh, treatment. Um, anything else that seems to be sort of the real uh, pieces, you know, that are that are keeping I, I things from say, being finalized? I would say child care remains a big topic. It, it, there is certainly a need. And a concerted push to make childcare part of the economic infrastructure for New York. We've seen during the pandemic how much childcare had or lack thereof had an impact on people's ability to 
work to uh, carry on with their lives economically and otherwise, and uh, it disproportionately impacting immigrants and women's women much more. So childcare has to be a big priority, and it is a big priority. I think uh, everybody generally understands that it's badly needed. The question is what the final number will be, and so you know that that that's the the negotiation is not whether to expand access to childcare. The what the question is uh, how much can we afford to do so, and and I hope that. Uh, it will be a lot because it's it's sorely needed. Uh, one thing that you yeah, didn't absolutely. mention is our public universities. CUNY um, mm. and SUNY have been the victims of state disinvestment for decades now. And there are many of us in the legislature who think that it's time to reverse that trend to put state investment back into our public universities and to do so in a way that not only provides more full-time faculty and restores CUNY and SUNY to uh, some some to levels closer than closer to national averages in terms of faculty student ratios but also to to um, reverse the uh, the continually increasing reliance on tuition to fund the operations of these public universities as opposed to having the state provide that investment. And, and when we talk about economic development initiatives, there are, the state of New York has given billions of dollars away to in tax breaks to companies who uh, who actually would benefit far greater if we continue to improve upon and strengthen our public university system. Companies, including including companies like Amazon, they they come to New York because there's a there's a, an abundance of educated and skilled workers that they can draw from. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we should if it, if this is working for us as a state. If it's giving us a, an economic comparative advantage, this is where we should be investing our our funds. So I, I you know, I'm certainly pushing for much more funding for CUNY and SUNY. And as you know, Ben, in our in our one house budgets, both by the uh, passed by the Senate as well as the Assembly, we have a billion dollars more funding for our public universities, and I, I'm hoping to adhere as close to that as possible in the final budget. And every every dollar, really, but every tens of millions, every hundreds of millions that goes to subsidize a Buffalo Bills stadium is not going to CUNY and SUNY. Um, is is there any real appetite here in the legislature for sort of putting significant breaks on on that bill's deal so that you can get the type of child care, the type of um, CUNY SUNY uh, funding that that you are really looking for? I mean, you know, these these are these are where it comes down to, you know, there, I saw uh, reporting. I don't remember where I apologize, but, um, you know, that there, there was some talk about breaking the bill's subsidy up over many years instead of making it go ahead i i mean i i wouldn't necessarily characterize this as it's 
as that it's either going to be the Bills Stadium or child care, the Bills Stadium or CUNY and SUNY funding. Part of, part of the negotiation centers around the amount of revenue that's available. Uh, the the mm-hmm. governor proposed $216 billion. But there's clearly a lot more revenue that is available. And so uh, so the ultimate budget, as many news reports say, will be around 220 plus or minus a, a billion or two. So it's also mm-hmm. about uh, what additional revenue is actually re- is actually available that was not reflected in the the governor's budget proposal. It's not gotcha. And she, it's not she, a case where oh, it's the stadium or this, it's the stadium or that. And and you know I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be uh, I, I should mention that there are lots of legislators, uh, not just in Buffalo but in upstate areas, who support the the bills, uh, the the deal for the bills stadium. So uh, that's a right. that's an ongoing subject of discussion. Gotcha. Um, Mayoral control of New York City schools, any extension in the budget or is that definitely out? Uh, Mayoral control and how we govern our schools in New York City is a hugely important topic. It's it's so important that it should it should be fully thought through, and uh, and whether we decide to extend it, extend it with changes or not extend it, uh, that that's a decision that is very weighty and should be considered when we don't have dozens of issues with actual fiscal and budgetary implications hanging over our heads. So uh, it's, mm. it's not going to be part of the final budget, but it is an issue that will take up right away when uh, when we're free of the, the budget negotiations and can really focus on this important issue. And if, if you had to say your your own position, and obviously you, you work with colleagues, you're in a legislature, um, but, your, but your own position generally on extending mayoral control, how would you characterize it at this point? I mean, this is not your final say, obviously. This is not your final opinion. As you said, you want to explore it more. But where would you <laughs> really say you're at right now in terms of? I, I would say that we have a few months until the current mayoral control slash school governance system expires. And so we need to take the time to explore all the options and everything's on the table. I I wouldn't want to prejudice anybody's input or suggestions, Uh, but I can mention some of the ideas out there. Uh, There, there of course, is the uh, Mayor Adams's preference, which would be for a long extension with no changes. Uh, there are other suggestions such as uh, a shorter extension with some changes, and those changes could be uh, changes in the makeup of the Panel for Educational Policy, which is essentially our school board for New York City, um, changes to how long members of this school board would serve, uh, whether it be fixed terms as opposed to at the at the, the uh, caprice of the mayor, uh, you know, being able to be removed at will. Uh, there's also some suggestion that an additional one or two members of the school board should be appointed, uh, primarily representing parents, 
uh, even to the point where the mayor may not have a majority of appointments on his school board. Uh, and the thought there is that um, if the mayor or the, the Department of Education needs to convince one, just one person that is not appointed by the mayor, well, that shouldn't be a heavy lift if the policy was important enough and made enough sense for all the school children of New York City. Um, so th- those are just a couple of examples of the suggestions that are okay. on the table and that we'll be con- um, considering carefully. All right. Well, between the budget and the end of legislative session, we'll, we're going to have you back on to, to just talk education issues or mostly talk education issues. Um, in, in our last few minutes here, I want to definitely uh, save a little time for the um, AAPI equity budget proposal that you and, and a coalition of legislators and activists have put forward. You recently co-authored an op-ed uh, at our site, Gotham Gazette, with Joanne Yu of the Asian American Federation, who I had on the show a few weeks ago. Um, um, where does where does what are some of the highlights in terms of that agenda and what you think is going to be in this state budget deal to address that agenda and the needs of Asian American communities in New York? Uh, well, thanks very much, Ben. I really appreciate you bringing this up. As as you and most people know, the Asian American community has faced an onslaught of anti-Asian hate coincident with the COVID pandemic. And it's, it's really been a brutal couple of years. We have all seen the news reports, the videos of some vicious and uh, some vicious and also some fatal attacks on Asian Americans in New York uh, and beyond. The, uh, there are a lot of actions that are necessary to help people overall and specifically in the Asian American community feel safer. That includes holding perpetrators and and attackers accountable for their actions. It includes providing services and resources for uh, people with mental health issues as well as people who may be homeless. It, it requires the that our public schools start teaching kids about the Asian American experience and history in this country. And it also requires providing more support to the communities themselves, uh, which are generally provided not by government. The services are not provided by government, but by these longstanding organizations. And this equity budget that you speak of, $64.5 million, uh, is actually not uh, not initiated by legislators, but it's initiated by this broad coalition of uh, 50-some-odd organizations who have a strong track record of serving and supporting the Asian American community, which, by the way, is the fastest growing community in New York. Uh, these 50-plus coal organizations that form this equity budget coalition uh, put together uh, a very detailed plan of how the various organizations would use this money to to provide services to seniors, to youth, to uh, uh, provide intervention training, to provide language assistance, the whole gamut of services that reinforce the strength and standing of this entire community. And I'm I'm hopeful that uh, this budget will be passed as part of the final budget. There's a huge amount of support 
in the Senate, uh, the the Assembly, and Governor Hochul has been very open and helpful to the AAPI community, especially as we have continued to face these challenges. Mm-hmm. And um, in our last 30 seconds here, one thing I just wanted to quickly ask you about, I just saw a report that um, that it looks like there's a deal on a, on a significant amount of money, maybe around a billion dollars for renewing um, the rent relief program. Can you give us any insights into whether that that is happening in the in the state budget or looks like it is happening because Governor Hochul did not include any in her executive budget. She was asking for more federal money, uh, but but the Senate and the Assembly both wanted at least a billion dollars for for rent uh, relief that goes to renters and landlords. Any quick insight for us before we have to say goodbye? I think it's going to be part of the final budget, Ben. Okay. State Senator John Liu, really appreciate the time. Uh, Thank you for the thoughts and the insights, and we will definitely be catching up with you more down the road. Thanks a lot. Don't be a stranger. (laughs) I won't.